Uh, for those who are new, or if it's your first time today, welcome. My name is Anthony. Some people call me AB or Abs, and I'm one of the staff here at the Chapel Sydney. And before we get started, I'd like to open up Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. So if you've got your Bibles in front of you, feel free to get them out. Otherwise, the words will be up here on the screen. So Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who had ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Lord, as we dive into your word, we pray for you to keep us engaged. Give us room in our head and our hearts to allow you to work. Lord, we pray for the book of Hebrews to speak to us, for us to remember your faithfulness and your promises, that we can grow in putting our confidence in you and you alone. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for fellowship time, the question was, what does Jesus mean to you in your life? And we can say things like, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. Jesus is my friend. He's the Son of God. He's the creator of all things. He's a person who helps me when things are going a bit south. But how many of you would have answered, Jesus is our high priest? If you've read your Bible a few times, this concept of priest and priesthood may sound familiar, but sometimes it can get overlooked. So, but the author of Hebrews knew how important it was to our faith and our ability to stand firm and draw nearer to God. And I hope that through this sermon today, that you will find that Jesus as our high priest, as an encouragement and something important to know about him. So my housemate Josh, um, he loves cooking. And I learned a new word recently, it's called umami. So it's a fifth taste. So when you have sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and there's a fifth taste called umami. And so it adds to the deepness and the richness and the savouriness of a dish. And when you add ingredients like MSG, um, miso, Worcestershire, I don't even know how to say it, Worcester, Worcestershire. <laughs> but this sauce. Um, and it gives this dish a greater flavour. And I've tried some of these dishes and you realise what you've been missing out on. And just like that example, if we miss out on the high priest nature of God, we're missing out on an element of our faith and we're missing out on an element of understanding who God is. So for those who are listening today, today here or online, um, I would like to challenge you 
to think about Jesus as a high priest. And what does that mean for you? So I'm just going to unpack verse 14 to 16 and land on three main points. So one, Jesus is the greatest high priest. Two, Jesus is an empathetic high priest. And three, Jesus is a merciful and gracious high priest. So for those who want to write it down, I'll say it again. One, Jesus is the greatest high priest. Two, Jesus is an empathetic high priest. And three, Jesus is a merciful and gracious high priest. So number one, Jesus is the greatest high priest. So one of the greatest things about Steve, our senior pastor, being on sabbatical, is that we get to hear different sermons in ways that sometimes we're not really used to. And last week, Sangwoo, he's at the back in the garden, but last week he shared about Jesus being greater than Moses, and we find that Jesus is the ultimate prophet and servant, and that God is inviting us to have a personal relationship with him. But then he ends with a warning. For those who remain in their unbelief, they shall never enter my rest. And then we read the next couple of verses before 14 to 16. So let's read 12 to 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give account. And we see here the author of Hebrews saying, when you read your Bible, it cuts you to the point where you're laid bare in the eyes of God. It reveals the hidden sins, the things that you've been hiding away in your thoughts and your attitudes, the self-centeredness, the pride, the desires of your own heart, and we're all held accountable to all our sins in the eyes of God. And you can say, yeah, I've never killed anyone. But the Bible says when you show anger, you've already sinned. Before committing adultery, lust before stealing greed. So the word of God penetrates through all of us to judge the thoughts and our attitudes of the heart. Now, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I've done a lot of dumb things in my past, and I still do. And one of the things that I remember is the first time that I crashed my car. So I was 18, mind you, so don't judge. Uh, fresh out of high school, I got my peas, and within a few weeks, my dad and I went out and we bought a brand new Kia. And what did I do with it? You know, I messaged all my uni friends and went, hey, let's go on a road trip. <laughs> so on Saturday morning, I drove down Burwood Road and I picked them up. I was so excited to either go on the road trip, so excited to show them my car, so excited about, yeah, my friends being there. And I didn't even look at my blind spot, so I drove out of the curb, and I went bang. 
And for those who've never gotten into a car accident before, you've got to exchange details, you know, you've got to get the police involved to sort out the traffic. And no matter how you saw it, it was fully my fault. And even though I had insurance, um, because I was a pre-plater and I was under 21, my excess was two and a half grand. And it may not seem like a lot now, but back then I was 18, I was a student, and I wasn't working. So it was a huge amount of money, uh, money that I didn't have. And obviously I had to tell my dad what happened. So, you know, I got home. I was like, hey, dad, you know that brand new car that you got me a few days ago? <laughs> I crashed it. And I told him all about what happened. And oh, by the way, the excess is two and a half grand. And you know, we can laugh about it now, but I think back then I was quite devastated. And my dad listened, he listened and he was like, okay. And he said two things. He said, are you okay? And don't worry, I'll sort it out. But why did I share that today? Because I knew that I fully messed up and he could he could have reacted any other way, but he chose to show grace in that time. And for us, until we realize how much we messed up, we won't fully understand how much we need saving. And let me put it another way, until we realize the extent of our sin, we won't understand what it really means for Jesus to be our high priest. And before we dive into why Jesus is the greatest high priest, we'll have to dive into some of the Old Testament concepts. So when we think of priests now, uh, we think of these people in long robes, we think of people who go up on stage, perform rituals, we think of people who hand out the bread and the wine at church, but we're not really understanding why they're there for. And for most of us, our view of priesthood can be a little bit limited. But the Jewish Christians who got this letter understood fully well what a high priest was. So the king led the people, the prophets delivered the message, and the priest offered sacrifices. And the word priest is literally translated as bridge maker. So ultimately, they were mediators between man and God. And I've got a picture up on the screen of a temple back in the days. Now, if you have any Jewish friends, they celebrate something called Yom Kippur. In other words, the Day of Atonement. And let's just go back to the picture of the temple. And what that day, that day is um, once a year, around in the time of September. And because not everyone could go to God because of their sin, the high priest was chosen to represent the people to enter this inner part of the temple called the Holy of Holies. And it was understood that back then, that's where the presence of God was. And the priest, the high priest, would enter this part and offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin. And that was the only way to be right with God. And I know sometimes I'm making it a bit more complicated for some of you, but I'm just going to summarize what the sacrificial system meant. 
So one, the punishment due to sin is death. And therefore, in order to be forgiven, there needed to be the shedding of blood. And it was done by God to show us how bad things were and how much we needed Jesus to mediate for our sins. Just like how my dad had to step in to take care of my mistake, we need someone to step in to be the mediator between us and God. And why was Jesus better? Verse 14 says, We have a great high priest who had ascended into heaven. So unlike the human high priest, whose mediation only lasted a year, and they were limited by their own sin, Jesus Christ himself rose from the dead and is up in heaven to speak on our behalf. And that's crazy because the person mediating mediating for us is literally next to God himself. And if you want to read ahead, feel free. But we're going to hear more about this in the following weeks, so I won't expand too much on that. But Jesus was the ultimate mediator and high priest. And number two, Jesus is an empathetic high priest. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us, with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So one of the qualifications of a high priest was that he needed to understand the people he was mediating for. But we can say, hang on, how can Jesus understand the temptation we face today? Like, how can he really understand the temptation that we face and the struggle that we're going through today? And the answer is because he was also human with all its physical and emotional weaknesses. So like us, Jesus also faced the temptation of self-glory, the temptation of wanting to avoid suffering, wanting to take control. And like us, Jesus also faced hunger, thirst, tiredness. And not only that, he can empathize with you. Because when we read the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find that he's also experienced all the hardest emotions that a person could face. And I'm not sure who needs to hear this from our church today, but Jesus sees you, and Jesus understands you. He'd experienced loneliness. He'd experienced poverty. He was abandoned by his closest friends. He's been in prison, and he's been homeless. He'd experienced despair and sorrow to the point where he sweated drops of blood. He'd experienced the grief of losing a loved one. He'd experienced betrayal, persecution, discontentment, and rejection. And he was in a state of despair when he cried out to God to save him from the suffering. Imagine that. He knew that he had to die, and he knew that he was going to be abandoned by the God that he knew so intimately. 
and he faced the greatest injustice by dying the most painful death and condemned even though he was completely innocent. And sometimes what's crazy is that when sometimes people think of God, they think of this detached being, this person that is unable to feel anything, or this person in the sky that just doesn't understand what we're going through, and he'll just punish us when we're doing something wrong. But we see here that we have a high priest that's lived this life. We have a high priest that's gone through all the temptations and the struggles that we all go through. And think about this for a second. If a high priest was fully God, what is he able to do? If he was fully God, he was able to take away the sins of the people he's mediating for. But he wouldn't be able to empathize with his people because he's God. But if this high priest was fully man, then he would be able to empathize with his people, but he won't be able to take away the sins of the world. And But we know that in the uniqueness of Jesus, he was someone who was fully God and fully man. And that's why he's able to both take away the sins of the world and also able to empathize with us in our temptations and our weaknesses. And that's another way of knowing that Jesus is an empathetic high priest. And number three, Jesus is a merciful and gracious high priest. And for me, I love talking to people about God and our church. And when I talk to people about God, uh, there's generally two misunderstandings they have about God. One is that God is like my friend. Like all my friends, um, they, need a help, they need to help me when I'm going through something. Um, like all my friends, I can do whatever I want and they'll just support that. Um, and the other is that I can't go to God. God is too far away. God is too holy. If you know the life that I've lived and the life that I'm living, you understand why I can't go to God. But in this passage, we see that Jesus, the Son of God, is a merciful and gracious high priest. He gives you mercy for the things that you've done in the past and grace for the things you'll do now and in the future. And how crazy is that? It means that God knows all the bad things you've done in your past. He knows all the sins you'll commit, not just now, but from now to the day you die. And yet, he's still wanting to know you. He's still wanting to get He's still wanting you to draw nearer to him. And through Jesus, our high priest, we are confident that we will receive the full heart of God. We no longer have to go back into our old ways. We don't have to prove anything to God to be right with him. 
We no longer have to fear when we enter into the presence of God. God knows our guilt. God knows our shame. God knows our sin. Yet he still wants to know us. And that's why it's not a throne of judgment and condemnation, but a throne of grace. And we can go to God in our time of need and be confident in our place with him because of Jesus, our mediator and our high priest, who is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. So to wrap up this sermon, I'm just going to see, we're just going to see that one, Jesus is the greatest high priest. Two, Jesus is an empathetic high priest. And three, Jesus is a merciful and gracious high priest. And the writer of Hebrews knew that if we truly understood and we truly believed in Jesus, mediating for our sins, then we will be able to stand firm in our faith and we'll be able to draw near to him in confidence. Now, how can we respond to this? One, we can draw near. We know that the Jewish Christians at the time were in danger of falling back to their old ways, falling back to Moses. But we can see that this passage is encouraging us to stand firm. And we shouldn't hesitate. The question some of us may have is, is Jesus enough? Do I need to become, do I need to do more to become right with God? Is there another way to be right with God? No. Because the passage is saying that we can have full confidence in the finished work of Jesus. And we can boldly and confidently approach God through Jesus, our high priest. And two, we can help others draw near to God. I think for most of us, there are people around you. For all of us, actually, there are people around you that need to hear this. And maybe you're thinking of someone right now as we speak. But maybe they need to know that Jesus is enough. Maybe they need to know that they can approach God in confidence. And I want you to reflect on this sermon. And I want you to pray that you'll find someone to share that with. Because without Jesus, our high priest, mediating for us, we cannot enter this throne of God with confidence. So let's pray.